Fetch quest, side quest, fetch quest, side quest, fetch quest, side quest. Yo, what is up? We are back with the Mo Video Games Podcast, bringing you that juice that you come for every single week. Today, we continue tech news as well as discuss what has been a majority of my playthrough of Ori of the Will and Wisp, which I have now completed. So we will talk about that next week, as well as some of Maxwell's experiences with Ghost of Tsushima and more difficulties, of course, with the PlayStation Store. So stay tuned to find out what we think and have a good time, please. Ooh, baby. You gotta do the you gotta do the, the the classic the you say the three, the two, and then you just really intensely hold up the one finger yeah. for the countdown, you know? Like I don't know who the fuck actually does that, but I feel like I've seen it in a video. Yeah, it's it's like the typical like movies, TV shows when they're showing like behind the scenes of like a production. And I'm let us know in the comments because obviously we don't know actual production, but it, it makes sense, like right, like if they're gonna start potentially streaming audio as they're getting down to one you don't want to have the mics pick up someone saying one audibly so but like isn't there a thing called like editing and they're already gonna have to edit that clip either way live live production like news though like when when you're when you're live oh well yeah but that's not well then that's not the movie case that was that's why i was mentioning it oh yeah yeah yeah. no not just like you're already clipping these things together. At least I assume. I I doubt. No, in movies doubt- they they don't do three, two, one. That's only if you're going live. They do the the shutter, the the clapper, so that they can oh, sync up the yeah, audio yeah, yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The shutter bug, <clears throat> three thousand. Shutter bug four ninety. <laughs> it went from three thousand to four ninety. That's how you know it's better. You That's dropped true, zero. Baby. That's true, baby. <laughs> All right, well, um, welcome. What do we have today, Maxwell? To the Mo Video Games Podcast. Oh, introductions you. are reasonable. I Thank suppose. you. Yes. <laughs> um, today we have Tech News Numero Quattro. Tech News, which is actually gaming news, but we call it Tech News because it rolls off the tongue better. So we're here. There is some Tech News in there, as always. So it's There's all encompassing. News. Is gaming. What is gaming if not technology? Um, oh. So I'm not going to do a full roadmap because I've got lots of like little things to discuss. But in general, we're going to be talking about Sony, some of the decisions they make. We talk about this a lot, but there's some new information just out gonna there. You're going to bitch about Sony again. Let's be honest, dude. That's true, baby. Let's get there's it. Anyone who calls songs. me, if you call me a Sony fanboy, you obviously haven't been listening. <laughs> you're still um, a sony fanboy don't lie to yourself i i am but i, I am can too. criticize <laughs> that's true um dead space remake developers did a deep dive so we'll talk about that a little bit and i guess coming back to sony again uh the playstation 5 heatsink gonna have a, a quick discussion on that and then as always we will start well not as always this is kind of new but we're gonna start off by discussing what we are currently playing right now what we're enjoying how is it going so oliver let's start with you my you boy you just want to hear me talk about your fucking game that's all I, you want you goddamn right <laughs> lay it on me lay it thick what do you play well, yesterday I started Ori and the Will of the Wisps. I almost said the Blind Forest. Thank God I'm not playing that game. Let's be real. Um, outside of the normal League of Legends, uh, I am at 
for people who have played the game, I am at, I have collected, I think, two of the three wisps that you have to collect, or, I don't know, it says I only, well, it says four, I've only gotten two, but before I got my second one, it said I only need to collect two more. Which I was like, by my math, that does not add up. <laughs> one plus one doesn't equal 18. I'm trying to remember, there might be a reason for that. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. I'm going to the... I've collected the one, and I've collected the spider one, and then the frog one, and now I'm going to the mountains to collect the third one. Um, Okay. I've been pretty short on the playthrough so far, just because I'm trying to mostly just unlock abilities uh, with a little bit of exploring. I am clearly not playing how the game is meant to be played because Maxwell has been criticizing me for using the sword too much and not using my bow. But hey, hey, real, I, I, real men use swords. Real women use swords. Little bitches don't. I, I do have to say, I definitely chose a couple favorite abilities and, and stuck to those pretty much the entire playthrough. Uh, uh, really what I was criticizing is it didn't even seem like you were attempting to see what the boss's moveset was. You were just like gung-ho up in there and maybe that's how you learn the moveset but you were just up in the spidey's face just and then the spidey has so many close melee moves it was just wrecking your shit i was like why why don't you take a step back brother (laughs) well i i like there wasn't too many after the first fight there wasn't too many moves that i didn't know what they were and then it was just figuring out how his hitbox worked essentially sure because that's well, Maxwell and I talked about it a little bit, but big complaint I have with like the Soulsborne games, especially Bloodborne, mostly Bloodborne, honestly, was the biggest defender of this. But when you have really large bosses in comparison to your really small character model size, like collision damage gets super fucking frustrating because there's things on large bosses, especially if they're in the background, you know, like the, what do you call it? The anthrax or whatever of the spiders technically in the background, right? And it's only like her front two i'm gonna call her claws even though the spider legs perfect that works uh even though her front two legs and her head are the only things you know like in the foreground but you don't get collision damage on her legs like unless she's in an attack animation and shit like that and details like that can just be super frustrating when you're fighting large bosses relative to your scale and you kind of have to get up in their face or use the range attack like i'm sure a lot of people did in the spidey fight don't get me wrong um but yeah so it's I mean, it's a normal frustration. I think big bosses are cool. I don't know the solution to the problem. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm happy that there are big bosses. But, uh, yeah, it's just, like, a couple of his attacks made collision damage happen with his body in general. It even seemed like a couple times I, like, ran into his head and didn't take collision damage. But, yeah. Problem is, is the heal in that game is so bustedly OP that it's, like, you can essentially just, like, swanger swanger at him and then run to the side dodge one attack and then the cooldown between his attacks are so long that you you can just heal up to full health it's just like hey, yep, you you missed because all your attacks are hyper telegraphed so <laughs> not that i'm mad about that either don't get me i'm not expecting every game i play to be a souls born game it's just right, like yeah. it, it, it it does change the flow of the game i still enjoy going through it both bosses i died probably you know like half a dozen times trying to beat both of them but I really like swinging the sword. It makes the combat really fun. And the fact that they That's do fair, the yeah. double, double jump reset uh, in air, and then they like are just like, once you're attacking, 
I still don't fully understand how the attack speed works, because if I'm doing upswings, it feels like sometimes if I'm in a certain situation that I have not figured out the algorithm yet, my attack speed will be really quick. But other times it'll be like one attack a second. <laughs> and I'm like spamming the button as fast as I fucking can. And I have no idea. But when you're in air for sure and doing a side attack on someone, you get the maximum attack speed that Ori can bust out. And if just, I mean, you just look like a badass. Floated in midair. Yabba do, yabba boosh. Just hitting him with it. So, yeah, the frog fight was. I think I preferred the frog fight over the spider fight. The spider fight was cool, but the spider was definitely, I think, an easier fight than the frog fight because you can't heal in the second half of the toad fight. Mm-hmm. But since you have the water dash, like the tempo of that fight is so much higher. And I was like, oh, this is a little, this is a little spicy nugget right here. Um, that was also an incredibly sad fight. I mean, minor spoilers. We won't say much about it, but I wasn't going to say anything. But if you're going to. No, I, I don't want to talk about it. Midway. I just want to say I just want to say that was sad. That's all. That's all we have to say. It was sad. I will give it that. I was not expecting it to be sad, given how the spider fight panned out. And then it turns out depression is real. Um, So, yeah, that's that's pretty much where I'm at. I'm assuming once I get the rest of the... Ori shards, just gonna call them that. Uh, and then <laughs> it's in the name of the game. They're wisps. <laughs> I'm calling them Ori shards. Okay. Once I get the rest of the Ori shards, I'm assuming, you know, I'll complete this main quest, and then I would assume the game would be over. But I don't know with how much content there is in this game, it makes it seem like it's gonna keep going. So, but who knows? I don't know. I don't know. It said yeah. average play time was 12 hours, and I don't think I'm, like, speedrunning it by any stretch of the imagination, so. Yeah, it seemed like you were doing a pretty normal um, run-through of, of, of doing a decent amount of exploring to get some additional power-ups and abilities, but not, like, focusing on 100%ing areas before you moved on, so. Yeah, it's, like, the way that this has been set up so far. The thing about, like, other Metroidvanias, like Metroid Prime, or even Metroid Fusion is, I think, a great example. There is, like, when I went to other areas, it felt really like I was just exploring these areas just for, like, curiosity's sake, you know? Mm -hmm. Or, like, I thought that I was going to get a really good upgrade. And with how the upgrade system set up in Ori, it doesn't really... It doesn't lend itself to that necessarily because it's, like, you're really just, like, getting supplies to go back to the shop to then upgrade, right? So it's, like the area itself isn't that important because it's not like you like could or could not find a banger upgrade there. Um, You're just exploring the map, getting more energy life cells and then whatever they call their currency in that game, which is, I mean, I think it fits the game, uh, but it does make exploring, I think a little less exciting. I still plan on 100%ing it. I've enjoyed exploring a lot, but it is very exciting when I'm like in a Metroidvania, like either there's like a, door and metroid they love doing that you know your first area there's a door you don't have the right beam type to open the door you're just like i need to fucking know what's behind that door. as yeah. soon as i get that beam i'm like sprinting back in the most inefficient way back to that door like <laughs> skipping everything I I'm, gotta doing. I'm like i need to know so uh so yeah it definitely like i feel like the metroidvania aspect of it is a is a little lighter than i was anticipating where i felt like in hollow knight it was much it was much heavier metroidvania in hollow knight it felt like to me um 
At least, like, archetypically. But I haven't played a bunch of new Metroidvanias. I know there's a bunch of indie ones on the Switch and shit like that, so who knows? Yeah. Maybe that's just where, like, the genre is going. But overall, it's... Oh, my God. They, they fixed all my gripes from one, that's for sure. I don't have bullshit in the foreground, so I can't see things. And uh, the, what do you call it? The platforming is actually enjoyable and was enjoyable essentially off of the bat. Uh, and the level designs are super cool. The, the, the soundtrack in the water level is, that's a banger alert 3000 right there. I mean, my goodness. So, yeah, they've, they've, they've fixed like a huge chunk of my gripes from the first one. There's I'm, definitely like criticisms, but they're 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 much more reasonable. Yeah, and that's what I expected um, from this. I'm I'm glad I wasn't crazy because like obviously I think very highly of Orion the Will of the Wisp, but like watching you go through one, I knew one was pretty different, but I didn't know how different. And with like how frustrated you were, I was kind of like, oh no, like is he is he gonna feel this strongly about the second one too? But it, this one. is much more where I expected you to be in terms yeah. of liking it. Yeah. One one deserved the six. I am especially playing this now. I'm like one one fucking deserved the six for sure. Like that. Don't get me wrong. Five dollar game, not on sale. Takes six hours to beat, right? And if you want a hundred percent it, I I don't know. Maybe it take like ten hours. Like it it wasn't a miserable experience by any stretch. But I would say just play two. I do like. The the person that you're <laughs> person you're working for in Ori of the World of Wisp. I'll just say it that way to keep it ambiguous. Um I do I'm I would I'm interested that Maxwell had such a experience with it, because I feel like if I didn't know where this motherfucker came from, I'd be like, Why do I care about this little bitch right here? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it definitely sets up a little more like there's, you know, more, I just have, I have more history. I have more history with the game than you, bro. <laughs> you do. <laughs> that's, that's not a lie. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's, I do think, you know, if you're going to play two, I still think I might recommend playing one, especially, honestly, going from one to two. I mean, your day will just be made once you start playing two. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I did know a, a good chunk of the the story of one um while i was going through two so i i i did have a, enough of a connection i don't you definitely it's not a prerequisite to play one to get something out of the story but knowing sure. the story of one definitely enhances the story of two for sure yeah because so. like well, I mean, too, this is like story that's introduced in the first 30 seconds. You got a, a little, what we'll just call it bird friend, right, yeah. who gets lost in the woods and you are trying to find them effectively. Uh, yeah. And so, like, why, why you even care about this bird, uh, that would be, you know, if I didn't read the story at least of one, I would be like, <laughs> bro, you gone. And I'm leaving. <laughs> this is your problem. And I'm out. <laughs> um, but it makes a lot more sense given the emotional ending of one and how things panned out in that game. So, so yeah. I, overall, fair play. Uh, I I have enjoyed it. It is very fast. That is for sure. Like I want to just be turbo rolling and turbo dashing all the time in that game and not stop doing that at all times so 
It feels so good. <laughs> it's yeah, the platforming definitely is uh I mean, okay, there's elements of Hollow Knight's platforming that I enjoy more, but like the maps are so much more fluid than Hollow Knight. I mean, Hollow Knight is like on rails, you know, up down left right. Uh and then since it is a lot more like momentum based than Hollow Knight in terms of how they handle the physics of it, you know, the the platforming does just feel a lot it's a lot smoother. It can also be fucking frustrating when Ori's traveling like a million meters a second and then you need to stop abruptly or something like that and then she's like, what do you mean? <laughs> very um, true, yeah. But yeah, that's like, yeah, there's definitely definitely elements of it that I think, yeah, shine, 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 shine well. Shine well for the game. The The aerial combat, I think, is probably... It's one of those things that the combat is definitely easy to approach, um, but difficult, I think, to master. Like once you can get to a point where you essentially never touch the ground and you're constantly bashing off of projectiles and enemies and doing a bunch of aerial combat. And that's when like it's just it's an entirely new world of combat that's pretty cool but it's when hollow knight's combat shines as well <laughs> hey fair, fair point lie. but yeah it's like uh, that's yeah. what i like though it feels so cool when you get to do that stuff like when you actually are just like straight it it, it what i like about that and that's what because in hollow knight you know i was just like holy shit they have combined platforming into the combat system right like that was i was like okay this is why this game is like crazy to me um because now using my sword from literally level one, I can I can stay in the air and just pogo on a, on a on a dummy if I want to, right? I mean, you can do more exciting stuff than that. So when I saw that it reset the um your second jump and your dash when you are auto attacking someone, I was just like, this game better have some aerial combat. And I've got an aerial combat for sure. I hope they I hope they stick with it because that's definitely how Hollow Knight made their later fights a lot harder was like there's a the coliseum of fools is essentially just like the combat trials in ori okay yeah and one of the last combat of fools the like the hardest one uh some of the sections you can't land on the ground ever if you land on the ground you die (laughs) and so it literally forces you to do it and shit like that is just like it's it's a fun little mini game and also like makes you think about the game differently if you hadn't already been doing that you know it right. like forces the player to try to adapt to a play style that isn't going to be intuitive if you're not really exploring the bounds of the game which i think is i think's good game design i like it you know i think trying to make players adapt like the toad fight totally made you adapt to a different play style because you can't just do what i did with the spider and just walk up and smack <laughs> run back heel rinse and repeat so also i do need to be using my spells more because the i was using the 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 beg the mega bow the mega the catapult launcher bow i don't even know how to describe it <laughs> it's like your it's like your bow and arrow on steroids oh and sure, that was yeah, actually yeah. doing damage the spirit arrow i think they call it yeah the when i was shooting the bow i was just like dude this is like throwing a, a pebble at a fucking mountain and saying it's making a difference like but the spirit bow actually did, did some did some bonkers so so yeah also glad they kept the projectile redirect mechanic i think that that is a good mechanic how they implemented in one i did not enjoy how they've implemented in this game way better 
One was just like the projectiles were way too slow, so it was never challenging. And there's mm. definitely a lot different speeds of projectiles to like keep me actually thinking about the game. But also, it's just like so many projectiles in one. Like you could literally, yeah. There's not designed aerial combat in one, but you could have aerial combat by just retracting off of projectiles <laughs> all the time. <laughs> like it's just like I get it, man. You can you can you can shoot an arc and you could shoot a straight line. That's great. I don't need to be pressing LB the entire game just to play. So you can dodge a wrench. You can dodge a ball. <laughs> So yeah, I think that's well, yeah, very long-winded, but I'm sure you wanted to hear it. I hope you, I, I hope you wanted to hear it at a bare minimum. Oh, you know <laughs> so. I did, man. It's and I, I'm just excited that it's it's falling into how I thought you would respond to it, which is really really like it a lot. I I never expected you to put it above Hollow Knight or, or some other games, but like I knew it was a game that you would enjoy quite a bit. And that seems yeah. to be the the route you're on. I agree. Pop. I'm here for you it. You know, the only thing that would make this game better, <laughs> I'm gonna keep with it. The rusty one, one rusty nail, and then take all the colors, remove them, and then just put gray. Bam! Immediately, <laughs> go, 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 go. The so. Moon Studio should do a, a Hollow Knight DLC where they they add the nail <laughs> as an ability, um, and then remove the colors, give you like a grayscale option. Yeah, that would be. I would. That would honestly make the game horrible. The, the game is <laughs> for sure that's not how it's designed yeah the game is fucking beautiful there is no doubt about that and the another thing i was thinking about when i was talking about the game yesterday is the uh like biome diversity or whatever you want to call it has been way more satisfying than one um like that was man the, the areas in one were just like <laughs> it gave a give a crayon to your kid and be like all right imitate this but change the colors <laughs> <laughs> maybe not that bad that might be too harsh but it, it it felt really i mean it just felt uninspired and lazy i mean they made a whole fucking game it's not lazy but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like the the water area for sure is like wow they they took some time to actually add some like substantially different content in this you know so. Yeah, I I think they beefed up their development team as well. That now again, that just shines a light on Team Cherry and what three people can accomplish. Because I think Moon Studios was about twenty people when they did the first game, and I think it was about eighty for the second game, if I remember correctly. Um, so it definitely gave them the opportunity to do that. But but what Hollow Knight did with three people is it's actually absurd. Yeah, yeah. the more when I saw the credits roll on one, I was like. Holy shit, Team Cherry is insane. <laughs> Beep. Done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's our team. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's definitely... Yeah, it, it's definitely insane what they did. Uh, speaking of, real quick, I'll just throw in a little blurb. But Mossbag, our favorite Hollow Knight historian, has released a video on Silksong uh, about its release date, which I was super excited to watch, obviously. Um... It sounds like Hollow Knight's base game is, or sorry, Silk Song's base game has probably been done for a while, and essentially they've just been like adding details and additional content for almost the last like year or two years now. There's a decent amount of gameplay online. The gameplay looks nuts. Um, like a lot of the complaints that I've heard about one, uh, not necessarily in terms of like the linearity of the map. I haven't seen too much of the maps. It seems like the maps are like kind of similar and structure 
the color yeah. palette, I think they did a lot more and made it a lot more colorful game. Um, but it does seem like you have a lot more, uh, I guess, just like freeness, you know, or options in your combat. Because Hollow Knight is pretty much like, for the most part, you are dashing and slashing, and that is that is the <laughs> game. Um, so, yeah, it looks fucking crazy. Uh, but then he ended the video being like, yeah, why would Team Cherry ever tell me when the release date was? Hell if I know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, Got him. Uh, <laughs> the answer is we still don't know. There is, a, there is a YouTube channel that he mentions on it that has daily Silk Song news. And it's just 30 seconds every single day pretty much being like, there's no Silk Song news if there has been no news. But they will still release a video every single day, and they have been counting the days. So it's been almost a thousand days since Silk Song's announcement. Um, I think it was like in the mid-900s. So hopefully 2022. That's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, gonna to put it there. Yeah. The, the exciting thing about game development is that games don't exist in a vacuum so when a developer releases a really good game other developers can learn from that and take aspects they like and things that have been innovations and implement it into their own games and i think it is a large reason why ori and the will of the wisps is so fantastic is because games like hollow knight came out before it and were so well received and they could implement those things and improve and similarly i imagine silk song is going to be taking elements of ori and the will of the wisp and some of the other metroidvania platformers and it's just a constant like improvement on games which is just it's an exciting thing because the the gaming industry, I think more so than film or, or a lot of other artistic mediums, has that because it's built on programming and technology. Like, yeah. there's a lot of learning that you can do from other people. So it's exciting. Silk Song, I have no doubt, is going to be off the chisane when it comes out in 10 years, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the 2082 release date is coming in, it's coming up hot, you know. <laughs> 60 years away. So. There is also a whole video by Mossbag saying did Ori and the Will of the Wisps copy Hollow Knight, and I have been really interested to watch it because I mean there certainly are similarities. Do I think that they copied? Like, no, not at all. Like the whole motif and feel of the game is like super different. Are elements copied? Sure, like you know, but like <laughs> if you told me that Ori and the Will of the Wisps came first and Hollow Knight came second, like I I wouldn't know and wouldn't fucking care you know like it's, yeah but i am interested to see the like comparison between the two games because they definitely they you know structurally have enough of their own differences but they both are banger 2d side scrolling platformers metroidvania type so yeah i i don't think there's any weight to that argument whatsoever um i were they influenced by and took some direction from maybe but like every open world game you play is fucking identical fetch quest side quest fetch quest side quest fetch quest side quest oh, that's, um, i feel like, good it was probably a pretty clickbaity title but yeah. who knows i mean Mossbag being the hollow knight historian maybe he, he's just a jaded monkey after will and the wisp but yeah I, i'm with you like no the games are so fucking different yeah, yeah. hollow knight is like even yeah, yeah, even thematically, not just in combat, like it is just totally different. But um, but also, I don't care if they exactly. did copy it and they just made another game that's exactly like it, but really fucking good. That's just more games I get to play. Like, I don't care. Forza Horizon Five is going to be Forza Horizon Four in Mexico. Did, like, but I'm gonna love Forza this Horizon Five. Copy Forza Horizon Four. Stay tuned. <laughs> so. 
yeah it's just kind of like it, it's interesting discussion to have and i mean we have those discussions so we're not immune from that but ultimately i don't care like no that's like it's only annoying copies are only annoying if it's like non-innovative like yeah. fifa 2019 to fifa 2020 that is good a good example copy. yes <laughs> But like, if it, I mean, I agree. Like, you still need to like either you need to either change something or up the bar substantially. Yeah. I have discussion I wanted to bring up, but I think you should go through your game since I feel like I've already we've already been rambling about this for. Oh God, yeah. That's true. <laughs> Was what you're going to bring up have anything to do with Far Cry? It it does, it, but. You That's where the conversation's going. So. Let's do it. It's on my list of things. So let's let's. Well, talk have you about been it. playing anything? Well, we can we can we can circum circumnavigate back to the circle. Well, I I have not played any games this week at all. Sad That's face. Cool. I I'm in school and I was procrastinating a little bit, so I've been doing. I'm in school, bro. Come on. <laughs> True. I don't have a full time job. Shh. That doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. Um. But so I, I've been playing a lot of catch up with that. But uh, so the game that I have been playing through, as you know, Ghost of Tsushima, I haven't played it. But the there's a new update that so there's these Inari. I'm probably mispronouncing that shrines uh, that give you charms and um, upgrades, that kind of stuff throughout the game. And the way you find them, you can just stumble upon them in the open world, or you can come across a fox den, and then the fox leads you to the shrine. And then when you're done with the shrine, you get to go and pet the fox. And oh, it's really cute (laughs) and all that kind of stuff. But the update now adds some new animations for the foxes. So before it was absolutely identical every time, but now the fox will sit there and do tippy taps, um, waiting for you to come over and pet it. And then it'll actually roll over and you can like rub its belly and stuff like that. So they added some new animations. thought it was really cute. It's not game changing, but like, Hey, it's, it's those little updates that like, yeah, like there was no need to add that to the game, especially from a developer standpoint. Like everyone loves the game. It's making a butt ton of money, but like that, that's a fun addition. So thank you, sucker punch. They should have, let you been able to thumb wrestle the fox even though foxes probably don't have thumbs but <laughs> wait why thumb wrestle that's so random <laughs> exactly it would be hysterical <laughs> true true that um also i was listening to it was either last week's or the previous week's it was last week's podcast when we were talking about last of us two um developers naughty dog and Ghost of Tsushima developer Sucker Punch working together and a lot of stuff. I kept referring to Sucker Punch as Ghost of Tsushima. Um, so I kind of use them interchangeably. So if you were listening it, to that, if that was confusing. Deducible. Yeah, Sucker Punch is the developer and Ghost of Tsushima is the game they developed. So just a correction I happen to notice because um, my brain don't function all the time. But yeah, that, that's that's with what I've been playing what I will continue to be playing. I have the Horizon Zero Dawn 60 FPS PS5 upgrade downloaded, and that will probably be the game I go into following Ghost of Tsushima. Um, I do have the director's cut, so I have to play the DLC of Ghost of Tsushima 2, and then Forza Horizon 5 is coming out. So there, there's games that will be taking up my time, but that's kind of what I'm planning to go to next, is I would love to do a Horizon Zero Dawn playthrough at 60 FPS before forbidden west comes out that'd be hype it'd be great if you streamed it too 
Yeah, I should be back home. Um, You're home right now, dude. Are you feeling okay? Oh, oh no. <laughs> um, but I, I should be back home from my work assignment mid-October, which is probably about the time. Uh, I, sometime after then is when I would start playing it. So yeah, maybe I will start streaming Horizon Zero Dawn 60 FPS, um, which brings me to one of my news, tech news. Uh, thing so digital foundry did an analysis of horizon zero dawn at 60 frames per second and essentially just found as with most ps5 upgrades where it's a ps4 game where they add 60 frames per second in a surprise to no one the ps5 is more than twice as powerful as the ps4 or the ps4 pro and so it runs 60 frames per second flawlessly like just locked right in there shooketh same <laughs> but it makes i think me we need to end the podcast because my mind is so blown i need to like go lie down right now <laughs> fair point um but what what they pointed out which was kind of interesting is that 60 frames per second yeah so i've discussed the latency benefits of 60 frames per second um so it it, it visually looks smoother but it also there's less latency from you putting an input to the character moving on screen which is a nice benefit but then anti-aliasing is so it anti-aliasing i don't know enough about it but i'm going to try to explain it simply is essentially when there's like resolution mismatches and there's like jagged edges along the edges of characters and objects it tries to smooth those things um so that you don't notice the jagged edges um it's a really terrible explanation but that's generally what it is and one method of doing anti-aliasing is it's taking information from the previous frame and the current frame and interpolating and that's what's creating the smoothness is my understanding of it and so what digital foundry is saying is that with 60 frames per second by having double the frames now the previous frame is much closer to the current frame so it actually helps with anti-aliasing it has to do less interpolation oh sure yeah and so it actually creates a smoother presentation than it would have at 30 frames per second so i thought that was kind of that makes sense yeah Yeah. that is cool so frame rate is not just about smoothness there's other benefits you get um yeah i mean it's off of my really rough calculations it's about 17 milliseconds faster per frame yeah because it's it's like 16.6667 at 60 frames per second and i think it's i would be double that for 30 frames per second yeah i mean i'm rounding up but yeah that's it's it's 16.6 milliseconds well, yeah, repeating milliseconds improvement per frame or like increase in frame rate. So I don't know entirely what the human like reaction time is, but it's I mean, it's certainly noticeable. That is a bare minimum. Yes, for sure. It And it, it kind of stops getting noticeable after that. Like, I think like I think 60 to 120 you can also kind of feel, but it turns into a little bit of more visual. And then after that, it's kind of like, okay, like we've reached. It's law of diminishing returns, as we all know. And love. I got nothing. Cool. I was looking up human reaction time. (laughs) (laughs) I got something. It says human reaction time, 250 milliseconds. And I was like, why would 16.6 repeating milliseconds matter if it's 250 milliseconds? But I assume it's just that you still get to perceive something that rate faster, right? So then yeah, you're, it's, still, you're still responding like that much. 
you know, the 16.6, assuming your frame-perfect responses. Uh, <laughs> for a casual gamer, I'm not going to even go there. But, uh, like, uh, yeah, so you're still, like, responding faster. So I, I think it still, it's still definitely makes sense. I mean, it's certainly noticeable. It's just, like, uh, how you would, like, justify the thing you know if you were i think if you were talking to someone who didn't game and you were telling them the differences between 30 and 60 fps they'd probably be like why the fuck do you care yeah my movie is at 24 fps or whatever it is and it looks fine yeah the, the latency is also it's about what happens after you have the reaction so once you do the input you can feel a lag in the game doing that input in 30 frames per second versus 60. So it's it's less about the reaction time, although that that does it is a little effective, but like Linus Tech Tips and a bunch of people have done studies to see how frame rate affects reaction time and that kind of stuff. And it marginally helps and especially in like very thin margin of error like first person shooters, having more frames can help you um at like distances and stuff, but the the latency that I'm talking about is you've had the reaction, you put the input, and then what comes out on the other end. So if I do the input, I expect immediate response, and you, you can feel a little bit of that delay. But I like the video where I think it was LTT's video about FPS and the the casual gamer. I think they were using like Paul or whatever his name is. I forgot his channel for yeah. it. Uh, but he had the biggest improvement from the increased FPS where the pro player did it. But the pro player, the thing is, the pro player like knows what to expect and is predicting. Like they have a lot more like prior skills and knowledge with the game, so it's like yeah. Because I think they were using CS:GO um, when they were doing a comparison using a Cloud Nine gamer. Shout out Cloud Nine. Ooh. Um, so yeah, I I still I still when I think about that, I'm like. Noobs really do benefit from buying expensive equipment. That's the that's what I got from that video right there. I mean, it's true. I mean, you have so when you have a certain level of skill, like you don't need the assists from other things. But if you yeah. don't have that level of skill, the assist can bring you up further um, than, than someone else. So yeah, it's it's one hundred percent fair. So keep that in mind. All you, all y'all. When there. your when your partner is yelling at you for spending. $800 on a monitor. Just be like, it makes me better look at this video. Then they'll be <laughs> like, oh, not I deny. <laughs> um, so, on the topic of Horizon, Horizon Forbidden West pre-orders went live uh, yesterday, two days ago. And you know your boy Maxwell pre-ordered. Happy for you, bro. But, it's criticism time. Let's do it. Let me guess. PlayStation Store. <laughs> confusing. I, I <laughs> Difficult don't, to understand. I, I don't know about the PlayStation Store being confusing, but the pre-orders are confusing and anti-consumer. As it stands right now, at least with the messaging that Sony has, they, they could stand to correct it, but as it stands right now, not great. Not a great look. So, first major issue... When they announced Horizon Forbidden West would be cross-gen uh, with the PS4 and PS5, they said, don't worry, we love it. It PS4 is going to get a free upgrade to PS5. It's going to be great. Not only is there not a free upgrade from PS4 to PS5, there is no upgrade path. So 
the the standard game for ps4 is 60 dollars. the ps5 version is 70 dollars. so you would think okay maybe a 10 dollar upgrade to go from ps4 to ps5 but no there's not even an upgrade path at all so if you bought the ps4 version you now have to buy the ps5 version if you get a ps5 and that well yeah fair fair point you could play the ps4 version on the ps5 um (laughs) but so that's really confusing anti-consumer and then the additions get so back Uh, okay let's just start through it so you have the standard edition so you can buy that digitally and you can buy a disc um then there's the digital deluxe edition which as it says in the name is digital only but it gives you the ps4 and ps5 editions both cool and a lot of extra in-game content okay why why both who if you own the ps5 i guess that's if you own the ps4 and you're upgrading later then yeah i guess that that's like the only case i can yeah. think of right now and but i own the ps5 i'd be like get, get this shit off of my plate yeah if i if i only had a ps5 but i still have my ps4 pro um and so if i wanted to like if i had a kid or a friend or if like my wife wanted to play it or something she could play it on the ps4 i could play it on the ps5 like i there are use cases where that makes sense um okay but that's an addition so digital but then there's the special edition which is what i got and it's the the cool comes with the steel book and the art and all that kind of stuff like looks really cool comes with the disc but you only get either the ps4 or the ps5 not both it's the hard disc you get and it's a special edition but you don't get all of that in-game content that comes with the digital deluxe maybe they'll in the playstation store they'll have a separate upgrade to get the digital deluxe add-ons but as it stands right now no way to get that content if you want the hard disc um and i mean sure maybe they're trying to incentivize buying digitally whatever blah 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 but like if i'm paying more to have the cool steelbook i want the option to have the cool in-game content um okay but it gets worse so now then they have the collector's edition um it's 200 i believe uh it comes with like the the mammoth robot statue um and it comes with the steelbook but it does not come with a disc it comes with the digital version of ps4 and ps5 but you get an empty steelbook to have but no disc and then they have the regala edition the top tier it's like 260 270 dollars something like that maybe it's 300 i don't know it's very fucking expensive you get a different mammoth statue than the collector's edition you get a little aloy focus um and a couple other posters stuff like that and again you get an empty seal book and the digital edition ps4 or ps5 version um so people are super pissed that they are not getting the disc and they were like why didn't you have like a drop down to say just give me the ps5 disc edition and then sure you can give me the ps4 digitally if you want or vice versa but like i'm not getting a disc with my 250 dollars that i'm spending on this um and then you have the people like me with the special edition granted i don't care about having the ps4 version but i'm only getting the ps5 version um and i'm not getting the extra digital in-game content and you have the people who want the extra digital in-game content but then they can't get the disco it's just it's fucking and then there's no upgrade path like sony 
keeps topping itself with dumb ass business decisions. I don't understand how, and there's been so much negative feedback and Sony just continues to be like, ah, <laughs> it's fine. We got exclusives. People are going to buy them. And I mean, granted, I did. I did. So yeah, that is super not wrong. And but before we before I let you discuss a little bit further, I don't want <laughs> there is a lot of focus on these business practices um, across the board. And it's and it's an important thing to talk about. But I also want to level set myself and everyone be like, these are fucking gaming consoles. So you buy the game and you enjoy the game and it's probably going to be a fantastic game. And this is going to be a Sony business decision, not Guerrilla Games, the developer. So don't have any animosity towards the developer themselves um, or anything. Enjoy the game. Like once you get the game and, and navigate the crazy ass waters of Sony, you're going to have a great time. It's going to be super exciting. But Sony, hopefully, ho- hopefully yeah, I guess we don't know. Um, theoretically should be exciting. Um, but yeah, so just wanted to clarify that. But yeah, Sony, what the fuck? All right. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I well, first off, if and I was just thinking this when you were talking about this, but if if like gaming companies or whoever the dis- distributors of these games actually wanted to incentivize going digital, I mean. I would say if they were serious about it, what they would do is just bump up the price of buying a physical copy by like five bucks or something Mm. like that. If they were actually serious about it, which I would be totally cool with because like I agree, like something like that would, I think, incentivize a surprising amount of people. Um, Well, I guess I don't think I would be surprised. I think people would be surprised (laughs) (laughs) Um, to switch over. To yeah. just buying digital if they're not already buying the physical and then second off man it's not that if you have add-ons it's not that hard to like i don't get why the old dlc model of like the xbox 360 era is gone where it's like you buy the game and then if you want the you know steel book then you can pay an extra 20 dollars. or if you want the you know forbidden hidden cave dlc you can pay an extra 15 like just like make it basic essentially just make it modular right like yeah like what, like what, what you were saying yeah, yeah it's just like oh i want digital ps5 version with the steelbook so i can put my digital version in there you know like <laughs> um you know like that i think that's been done in the past in gaming and is intuitive and also it's already what gamers know even if you don't think it's intuitive like that's already i feel like what as consumers we're used to so it's like you don't need to break the mold if the mold's working which i'd say it was yeah i never got confused purchasing borderlands dlc or what their dlc was like that's one of the games i think of that had a shit ton of dlc and was never confusing when i was interfacing with like their dlc most games around that generation the dlc i mean to be fair there wasn't like the like super deluxe collector's edition and 50 other varieties right but like I think models like that still work and you can still apply that to this. So, yeah. yeah. And th- th- there's an economic principle or a pricing strategy called batching. And it's the same reason why it's if you try to buy like a single bottle or can of beer or pop, it's much more expensive than if you're buying like a six pack or something like that. It- it's a way to capture more of the consumer surplus um, in-, in a batching. So th- there is a business 
reason for them to batch things together and not make it fully modular. However, the way they have batched it is batshit crazy. <laughs> like, um, honey, like there, there is somewhere in between fully modular where you can pick and choose. I want the steel book and I want the digital exclusives, but I don't want this. And I don't want that. So, but the way they've done it doesn't make sense that like every edition has some things that others don't. And it's not like a collect them all. Like, Oh, you just get this add on for this. It's like, what the fuck? Like you're, you're buying a collector's edition, you get the steel book, but you don't get the disc, but you buy the special edition. You don't get the digital content. You do. It's like, there's no clear path. doesn't make sense. So <laughs> yeah, as you said, there's a better way. There's a better way to do this. Fully modular would be fucking great, though. If you could just pick and choose what you want. Oh, man, that'd be dope. That's what I just feel like. I mean, yeah, I feel like if I was them, I would just be trying to make the customer happy and make things easy to buy. I mean, <clears throat> I guess uh, yeah, Microsoft. Maybe. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I'm playing Ori in the shout out Microsoft. I'm playing Ori in the Will of the Wisp for one motherfucking dollar right now, because the first month of Game Pass is only a dollar, and I can I can so I can literally beat and play Ori in the Will of the Wisp. I you know I need to beat it in a month, but I'm gonna 100% it most likely for a singular dollar for and 20% the cost there. of the first game. <laughs> yeah, literally, it's it's insane. And like the base game on Steam right now is 30 bucks. On the Microsoft Store, it's 24 dollars. And if I'm being honest, I would pay the extra six dollars to have it on Steam if I was gonna buy it. Because <laughs> I did not. Oh my god, dude! Forza Horizon Four made me not enjoy the Microsoft Store anymore. I was already hesitant, and then I was using it, and I loaded by it. Um, yes. So, uh, so I yeah, feel shout out Microsoft for Game Pass. Yeah, I, I feel like I've gone on a journey through this podcast of like heavy skepticism of Game Pass and Microsoft to like a full embrace at this point. Like Sony has done that though. Sony has shown how Microsoft is knocking it out of the park and how fantastic Game Pass is. Um, yeah. And how easy Xbox is. You you buy a game, you have it on all platforms, smart delivery. You don't have to go through confusing versions. It just knows what you're playing on and adjusts. And your saves are go across. Like I'll play Forza Horizon 5 on my laptop and then I'll go back to my desktop PC and it just imports all the save data in like a minute. And then boom, I'm playing exactly where I left off there. If I had an Xbox, it would do the same thing. If I had an Xbox One and an Xbox One X and a Series S and a Series X, it would know which one I'm playing on and play the graphical settings and all that. It's so fucking easy. And then you pay one low fee of like $15 a month to get access to hundreds of games constantly. Genius. I think it's ten bucks a month. I thought that's what it said when I was getting it. Uh, ten bucks if you get only the console or only the PC version. Uh, oh, Fifteen gets you ultimate, and it gets you okay. some more more goodies like both and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, I was looking at the games, and I was like, because I'm gonna try to start playing single player games, so that when we talk about what games we've been playing this week, I don't have to say League of Legends every single time. <laughs> uh, and just because. Well, there's plenty of games I've been meaning to play, and this is a good, good way to force myself to do it. But I'm thinking about keeping Game Pass at this point. Not because of the $1 intro fee. 
But I guess it, that, that's what brought me in. I was already going to pay the $10 for the first month anyways, and probably would have had the same reaction. But now that it was only $1, they have my money for life. It is pretty freaking incredible. For for $10 a month, if you're just doing it on console or PC, that's essentially buying two full-price games of the last gen. <laughs> um, and you get access to all those games for the entire year. Like, Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, I'm a full stand now. If you're an active gamer, you know, I mean, if you're super cash, then that's different. But as two two people who certainly waste enough of their lives staring at a screen, living in a digital world, (laughs) the cool digital world. Um, To to bring back a positive light now with Sony and some excitement, um, shit on them plenty, uh, there will be finally a summer showcase for ps5 on september 9th so this coming thursday um at 1 p.m pacific 4 p.m eastern time in the u.s there will be a like 40 minute long showcase obviously people are expecting to see deep dives into horizon forbidden west maybe some actual news on god of war um ragnarok when that might be coming out maybe some gameplay who knows some other things it should be a pretty big gamer or gamer <laughs> should be a banger <laughs> a gamer banger <laughs> if i do say so myself um what day did you say it was thursday september 9th at 1 p.m pacific 4 p.m eastern time in the u.s obviously it's worldwide but if you're in the u.s those are the time zones <laughs> what else you got for us man uh Okay, speaking of God of War, a fun little development fact I found out. So this is something that's apparently pretty common across the gaming industry. But when you have a game world, you control everything. Um, So the Leviathan Axe uh, that Kratos has at the beginning of God of War 2018. Badass motherfucking weapon right there. Badass motherfucker. When it is in his hand, it is 20% larger than when it is on his back. Boom. The more you know. And the reason they did that is for camera angles and the way they wanted it to look and feel in his hand, it looked cartoonishly large on his back. And so the animation, as he pulls it off his back and puts it back on, it goes out of frame um, very briefly. And that's when the change happens in size. Um, And so you you wouldn't notice it playing. I had no freaking clue, probably still wouldn't be able to tell playing through the game even knowing that but uh just kind of a fun thing and they they do that with character models and other things depending on how they want the the camera to be framed and the characters in the frames all that kind of stuff change character sizes object sizes but leviathan x changes in size every time you equip and unequip it so i thought that was kind of a fun little tidbit right there a little tidbit you know we like them tidbits here at the mobile video games podcast um supposedly uh rumored that all five uncharted games will be bundled and coming to pc that's hype i would certifiably i would expect if that's the case there would be something about that during the showcase actually no it's it's, it's supposedly it's a ps5 showcase so they might not say anything about that um unless they're going to have a bundle that comes to ps5 and pc um then i could see something like that happening um so that's pretty interesting. Far Cry 6 had an hour-long gameplay presentation uh, with the developers. And let me tell you, 
I am not fucking impressed. <laughs> it was like the most I didn't even I didn't watch the full hour. I was kind of skipping through because I was so fucking bored. Um, but like, my God, they if there was anything exciting in there, they were sure burying the lead. And not opening with it or saying anything exciting about it. They were just like showing more Far Cry gameplay that we've all seen before and being like, wow, isn't this cool? Yeah, look at this resolution and this ray tracing and oh, wow, look at that. You can do that. Like, I am officially off the Far Cry train and it's a sad day. Um, I think we've been off it, bro. We have. So so I guess now talking about Far Cry, I know you were like bringing something up about that earlier. Yeah, I wanted to take, you know, just a quick little minute here to really dive into what we label the Far Cry effect. But I think it really needs some more hashing out here because I think that the Far Cry effect is not what we think it is. And let me tell you why. (laughs) Lay it on me. The Far Cry effect, I will say causally or like why the far cry we say is the far cry effect is merely a mark of ubisoft being a shitty developer and not changing things between games the fact that you can play both of them and then the first one that you play is the one that you prefer man i was thinking about all the games that i've played where the first one i played was not my favorite like assassin's creed 1 when i played assassin's creed 2 i was like this has changed so much shit. And also, mm-hmm. I can literally mm-hmm. jump off of a 13-story building and assassinate someone and live, <laughs> which is an, a need, a need for Assassin's Creed. Um, but, like, yeah, if you do substantial, you know, quality of life, mechanics, um, I mean, sometimes graphics, like in the graphics heyday, the race, you know, as we mm-hmm. call it, like in the mid-2010s, that's, you know, I think I could justify that. Or story, right? But, like, Like I said, Far Cry 4, yeah, sure. Better graphics, better gameplay. I'd say Far Cry 3 has better story. Papa John's. They're both (laughs) the same fucking game. Like, you know, I I just, I think that the, I think the Far Cry effect is really just a a bad watermark on the developer and not actually a thing. So really, it's the Ubisoft effect. Yeah, yeah. But but we could call it that if we wanted to. Because, yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, it's just, I understand why we both perceive it the way that we do, but it's like, dude, I mean, Ori 1 versus Ori 2, prime example, like, Jesus Christ, like, I played Ori 1 first, and I do not prefer it over Ori 2, I can tell you that much. Like, yeah. Uh, it's just, yeah, if, if the games are that similar that you can have that reaction to it, then that means that they didn't do enough to change the game. That's my argument. Uh, agree and and maybe that is what we have coined the far cry effect and just like a better explanation of it but yeah that's 100 percent fair game it has been true across all of the far cry games and has gotten to a point i'm tired of it i i don't have enough time to delve into games that i've played before essentially um yeah. like back when i was playing a lot of games i probably would be more interested in far cry 6 because the far cry games are fun like they're fun to play yeah, it, if I had more time, um, like I, I'd probably be interested in picking up Far Cry Six and, and diving into that world and just having more fun in a new environment, some new additions, that kind of stuff. But now, I have to be a lot more 
critical about what games I devote my time to. And there are too many actually good, more innovative, exciting worlds out there. So, yeah. Yeah. 100%. As I said before, I'll say it again. Only reason I would ever give Far Cry 6 is if we could play a co op. But at this point, there is this small game called Forza Horizon 5 coming out. So, Forza, I mean, Far Cry 6 is going in the trash can, and here comes the room rooms. <laughs> yeah, I could see, like, when it goes on a deep sale at some point, maybe yeah, that, picking that, it up. That, but... That's reasonable. But that just, like, shows how unenthusiastic I am about this game. Yeah, faux show. So, and, and, and honestly, it just, it looked, it looked pretty meh to me. Like, it just, like, for being a, like, next gen, and it, they were, pl- the showcase was on Xbox Series X, and I was watching, and I was like, this doesn't feel next gen. Um, yeah. Not, not, not a knock against Xbox, it's just a knock against Far Cry. It just, like, it's running on next gen and just didn't look like a next gen game. Um, I, I'm sure it's going to be the exact same on the PS5. So, maybe if you have, like, an RTX 3090 ti titan xp um you like might might be able to see some cool shit going on there but it was just like i doubt it yeah Gra- graphics like impressive graphics are impressive when it's accompanied by an impressive game but when it is just cool looking graphics and the game looks identical it just it doesn't get me hyped um so th- there's that um Tiny little touch. If you uh, have Netflix and you've ever heard of the show Money Heist or the much better actual name La Casa de Papel, um, it's a fantastic show. It's a Spanish show. Highly recommend checking it out. And they teamed up with Ubisoft (laughs) and Watch Dogs Legion um, and added a little DLC mission um, where you're going into uh, a bank. It's all about like robbing spanish banks and all this kind of stuff and (laughs) revolutions blah 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 and so you have the same costumes and stuff and go in and rob a bank it's in that same they they teamed up for a little thing i thought that was kind of fun i like when developers do that that forza horizon 2 i believe it was had a mashup with the fast and furious um and brought in fast and furious cars into the game and like similarly uh, they've brought in the warthog uh, from Halo, they brought in the Regalia from Final Fantasy 15, I believe. Um, so there's mashups like that all over, but I love when they do it. It's exciting. And okay, two more things to discuss. That's it. That's it. No mas. Um, the PS5 heatsink. So we talked last week about how the new PS5 that I clickbaited teased whatever um was 300 grams lighter we found out thanks to austin evans doing a teardown of both consoles that 277 grams of that difference comes from the heat sink as in the heat sink is that much smaller and so austin evans was like "Ooh," he had like a thermometer thing like pointed at the Uh, the the thermal gun looking at shit looking at the exhaust ports and like oh it's a couple degrees warmer therefore it's worse hashtag sony fail however i disagree um maybe it's not disagree but i don't think you should jump to that kind of conclusion you go ahead sounds like you got some thoughts no you're gonna say everything i'm gonna say anyways you just you 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 you, you, you wrap this one up because i'm i'm with you on this okay first of all sony needs to cut costs in order to make a profit and 
continue to develop stuff. Two, Sony is trying desperately to make a smaller console as they typically do because this console is a fucking behemoth. It is the heaviest, largest console that has ever been produced, and I can attest to it. She a chonky boy. She a chonky boy. <laughs> um, three, doing exhaust port thermals is not indicative of anything. Um, there is a so many attributable attributable reasons as to why that might increase or decrease. But most importantly, they have done they've run the PS5 in challenging games for long periods of time, and Austin Evans himself actually found it to operate quieter than it did before. And there's no noticeable difference in the the quality of the experience or, or anything like that. So what likely happened is the, the original PS5 heatsink was over-engineered because they were scared from what happened with the PS4. Um, and yes, I will acknowledge Chocho in the background just having yeah, she's a so ball. My God. <laughs> it's amazing. It, I, I, I hope it's catching it on... Yeah, it's briefly it's cut off a little bit, but if you if, if you're listening to the podcast, check come over to YouTube at about the hour four minute mark and uh, check out uh, Oliver's cat going ape shit. <laughs> um, oh, she's out. She gone. But yeah, essentially, PS5 heatsink smaller. It was likely over engineered before. All testing so far that's been done shows no discernible difference in performance. Um, that we haven't done a, a full gamers nexus going in and like putting thermal couples like actually on the silicon and stuff like that um so get stay tuned for that that might show some things but the performance hasn't degraded austin evans actually found it runs quieter it weighs less and it's in pursuit of eventually probably getting a smaller ps5 so overall i think probably an improvement um it also came with a different fan as well that appeared to have larger blades um so maybe smaller heat sink but pushing more air um so it's hard to tell it's not a scientific thing austin evans did it was fully conjecture it might be objectively worse but we don't have enough data to support that and as it stands right now the ps5 still runs fantastic if not quieter so bam do you have anything to add no that's that's literally all that matters is if it runs then that's literally all that matters like if it doesn't degrade performance that's all that matters at the end of the day. I don't... People people make way too much shit out of stuff like that. Like, it's just like... Does it affect performance? No. Like, I mean, maybe if it's, like, boiling hot, not perfected in performance, but it's, like, running at a temp that, I don't know, the CPU would self-implode in three months or something, you know? Which, I don't even know if that's possible. Uh, not the self-implode part, but... Yeah. <laughs> running at high t- i mean i know running at higher temps will degrade the like expected lifespan of your cpu right but like it it just seems like all of it is just such a negligible and like you were saying like it's not even like a direct analysis either of what's going on but like if it's running fine i really think that yeah people are just making way too much out of literally nothing and and standard operating temps of uh silicon and and all the the chips and components are much higher than people want them to reasonably run at like everyone thinks like oh like with a cpu in your computer like you got to keep it 60 degrees or below but in reality i mean it could run like 90 degrees plus and be fine without throttling um yeah 
So there's like our, our expectations of what it should be. Obviously, we want to build in like safety factors and make sure it runs forever and runs good. But like, which is also just goony. I mean, I don't know what, how long people hold on to a console in the first place, but it's like. I'm not going over to a homie's place and playing his Xbox, you know, like consoles do have a, a lifespan functionally, not just physically. So it's yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's stupid um, that people are freaking out about it. Not the heat sink. Heat sink. I'd... Cool. Change. <laughs> Engineering. Yeah. Uh, I, I was listening to an IGN a snippet of an IGN podcast where they were talking about kind of like the first year report card of the new consoles. And they brought up an interesting point that there really have been no widespread issues or reliability concerns for either of the consoles, which is a huge win. Like you, you think back to like the 360 ring of death um, and some other issues with some of the consoles. And we just really haven't seen. And for all of the the talk about the PS5 controller and how, oh, the, the drift of the analog sticks is going to be real. Like they're only rated for so many movements and stuff like that. And maybe we haven't gotten to the point that enough people have gotten there. But keep in mind, the PS5 has outsold the PS4 um, and outpaced the sales of the PS4. So even though you, you can't get your hands on them, Sony is selling an absolute shit ton of PS5s. Um, so there are a ton out there and tons of data to support that both PS5 and Xbox Series XS are reliable consoles. So hats off to the hardware designers, whatever you're doing with huge heat sinks, small heat sinks, all that kind of stuff. They, they did a, they've learned how to engineer reliability um, into the console. So that's a, at least in addition long enough. Yeah. Fair point. In, In addition to, I can't get my hands on a console. You don't have the additional worry of if I do get my hands on a console, it's it gonna, gonna break fail? right away. Yeah. yeah. So that's exciting. And the last thing I wanted to talk about Dead Space and the remake. Maxwell sent me a picture. I'll summarize what I think. Hot damn. <laughs> <laughs> like, holy shit, does that look better? That's like uh that's a uh, that's like on the level of the Demon Souls remake. Like, yeah. I mean, at least that, that it put me at like that hype level. Man, Demon Souls actually like watching that rocked my socks off. Like that was insane. Ooh. Yeah. And that's uh and and it's the same type of jump. It's jumping from the 360 gen to so it's jumping two generations essentially to like Series X and current PCs and stuff. So um, it, it's reasonable that it would be a similar jump in, in visual quality, but it, it does look, I, I will link in the YouTube description, um, a link to the developer deep dive. So Motive Studios, who actually is responsible for Star Wars Squadrons, which is a really cool like space flight um, fighting game and Star Wars Battlefront 2. <laughs> Um, which we mm. all know and love. Again, hate EA, don't hate Motive Studios. EA is the one responsible for microtransactions, all that kind of stuff. Maybe Motive Studios all played a part in that, but <laughs> I mean, honestly, at this point, they're kind of the ones setting the precedent. Um, so that's kind of funny, but they're the ones responsible for doing this uh, remake, and they did a deep dive into kind of where they're at in the development cycle, showed some footage of Isaac walking through the corridor, and... So in the first game, originally, Isaac, you're the main character you play as, does not speak. 
In the later games, he does, though. And the voice actor for those Isaac Clarks is reprising his role to come back and add voice to this first Dead Space remake, um, which I'm I'm kind of excited for. I I don't feel strongly one way or another, um, but I th- I think adding some personality to Isaac, I think, won't hurt. I don't think that him not talking was integral to the experience of the first game. So, yeah. And they, I'm... yeah, go ahead. Oh, you go. Now you go. You go. Okay. You okay. Go. <laughs> they they just went over the rules of when he would talk, um, to kind of ease people's fears that he wouldn't be just like mumbling to himself walking around it's essentially like if he gets talked to or if it would be weird if he didn't say anything um those are the experiences where he will they'll add some dialogue but for the most part he's not just going to be walking around like ooh, i wonder what's around this corner <laughs> yeah that shit's always so funny in games or just like yeah just like pseudo super blatant exposition for like no reason <laughs> I am going to explain what is happening in this universe right now for no reason. Um, and so visually, obviously, looks really cool. And then they're also heavily upgrading the dismemberment system. So if you're not familiar with the Dead Space series, dismemberment is kind of the key aspect of the horror. So the the, the necromorphs, the the enemies you're fighting in this game um their weakness is their limbs it's one of the first things you see in the game it says cut off their limbs written in blood when you pick up the plasma cutter your first weapon and it allows you to slice off the arms and that does the most damage to them so dismemberment was a key thing from back then but they're upgrading the dismemberment to make it much more visually you can see the damage you're causing and where the damage is so like if you shoot him in the leg like the flesh will fly off but you'll still see the bone and you shoot him in the torso and some flesh will fly off and it's like very detailed cool dismemberment and they're the necromorphs were like the main enemy you fight is where most of the dismemberment was but the other enemies didn't have a lot of dismemberment systems and they're upgrading that and putting it across all the enemies to make it very easy visually to see when you're doing damage there's a some brute type enemy that is has a heavy shielding in front um but his weakness is in the back and so having that visual identification of oh you're shooting in the front not you can see you're not doing much to him and you go around to the back and flesh starts flying off i think is one of the things I highlighted about the first game was how it everything is in universe. So the HUD of Isaac is actually like there's a HUD on his suit and it brings it up in world. You don't like go into like a pause menu when you're bringing up the HUD and like his health is a um like this light on the the spine of the character and everything is all in world. You're not like leaving the world to gain information. And so I think the dismemberment system will continue down that path of, of teaching you and doing things by showing real world or video game world representation. So, and they, they even said if you can shoot off the limbs in a way that if there's still flesh, sometimes the limb will just be hanging by a little piece of skin or flesh, which is so gross, gnarly, but I love it. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm hyped. I want to play it when it comes out. Hell yeah, brother. We will see. Maybe by that point, you'll have a PS5. Yeah, I'm trying to decide when I want the PS5 Slim to come out, you know, so just got to <laughs> yeah. wait. Yeah, well, Sony's hard at work on it. They're just waiting on you. They got the heat sink down. 
They're just like, all right, Oliver, buy the original so we can, we can send out the slim form factor. Yeah, I think at this point I'm just going to hard commit to waiting. Going to stop playing the game of chicken. Yeah. Especially until Thor Ragnarok has to be out, as I'm going to keep calling it. That'll be interesting. Hopefully September 9th during the PS5 showcase, we will get some more information. Yeah. I I, I doubt we're going to get a release date because obviously we know how that works. Like we didn't get a horizon (laughs) release date until very recently um, of February 18th, I believe 2022. Um, So if anything, they'll probably be like holiday 2022. And then we'll get to pushing it back. Yeah, we'll get to September of next year, and they'll be like, "All right, release date February." <laughs> it's like it seems pretty typical for like Sony releases. Like if they get delayed, it's like into spring. Like Last of Us Part Two was supposed to come out in like October or something, and eventually came out in April after a couple delays. But yeah, that's how it goes. That that do be how it goes. But that's that's all I got for the tech newsy. Quite a bit as usual talked quite a lot um got anything else to add senior stro no i already talked about silk song that was pretty much the only hype thing i had it is pretty hype <laughs> yeah that we know nothing more <laughs> i know but now it, like the more the more we talk about it even though i haven't finished hollow Knight, like i'm excited for silk song because i i feel like it's gonna do that that sophomore jump like ori from one to two did um, even though obviously you think very highly of Hollow Knight One, I think they're going to have a jump with two from so much they've learned since creating one, and some of the other things they've seen. I think two if will be a game I like quite a bit. Silk Song is that order of magnitude, then there will literally be no game that can compete with Silk Song if that is the case. The jump between one and two and Ori is too large, too great, baby. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Hall and I had enough like massive blunders, in my opinion. Obviously, that I, d- I don't think it'll be possible. But I'm I'm honestly a little hesitant about Silk Song. I'm interested to see what they do, but I'm I'm a little worried it's going to be a little reskinny. I'm hoping not. It seems like it won't be, but yeah, I'm cautious. Fair point, as we all should be. Remember. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> and go pre-order Horizon Forbidden West. If you can figure out what version gets you what you want, which is probably none of them. <laughs> and on that note, uh, we will leave you. Uh, thank you guys so much uh, for sticking around. Links in the YouTube description. Um, I, I've been trying something new. Oliver doesn't know this yet. So um, of the once we're done recording the YouTube, it should be posted on youtube um come on dude because this is this is evergreen content um, leaking content so I, I think having it having it live right away um will be beneficial to everyone to get that news right away so if you're listening to podcast services you want to get this earlier get subscribed on youtube hit the notification bell all that kind of fun stuff but we will still be posting the the podcast on podcast services because we can improve the audio quality get all that kind of stuff and that should still be coming out on wednesday so even if you don't want to watch us on youtube please follow us yeah and you you can just listen put us in the background while you're working you don't have to watch our our faces nobody wants yeah, you that. can have two little dum-dums talking in your ear 
Oh, can't get better yeah. than that. You can't. But remember, Chocho, the Queen Chocho is in uh, the video. So you got to watch YouTube if you want that. That's true, baby. That's true. But we'll leave you guys with that note. Thank you. We'll catch you all in the next one. Juicy. Juicy. And that will do it for this week's episode of the Mo Video Games Podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Our socials can be found in the description of the YouTube video as well as the links that Maxwell referenced in this video. So if you're interested, check them out. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Instagram. Next week, we will be talking more about tech. Uh, finishing up my thought, my final thoughts on Ori of the Wilderness. I have beaten it, now, as well as another game that I have started playing and had a pretty good time with. So I'll leave the I'll leave the juicy, juicy little teaser with that. You know, you don't know what I'm talking to talk about. I don't know what I'm gonna talk about. Well, I do, but like I don't want you to know. So that's how it's gonna be. So have a great week, Josie.